there are actually worse things. I don't think we had any rotten chicken in that group, in that, in that particular trash can. It smelled more like rotten vegetables to me, but, but it smelled bad enough. I won't be wearing that cologne in the office tomorrow for sure. All right, a very brief verses this evening from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And, and before we get going, let me, um, next week, uh, Ted Richard is going to be uh, teaching the evening. Uh, Joel will be preaching in the morning. Uh, Mary Ellen and I will be uh, visiting gospel partners in Mexico, um, the Bixby's in Monterey, uh, and then Marco and Gwendolyn over in Cancun, Yucatan Peninsula. Um, so next couple Sundays we'll will be away. But so Ted Richards has next Sunday evening, and then the following Sunday evening, Jake Dirksen will be sharing about the, the trip to Egypt he and Ted are on now. So y'all are in for a treat in these weeks that we are gone. All right, the verses for tonight. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I've entitled our message, Imitators of God. And so verse number one, imitate your heavenly Father. And then from verse number two, sacrificially love as did your Savior King. And of course, you have an imitation of who God is in both of those. And uh, we just want to talk about that tonight. First, let's talk about imitating our heavenly Father. And when we, when we start using language like that, um, we're going to imitate God as beloved, beloved children. That's why I'm calling it imitating your heavenly Father. It's not just that you're trying to be like God. It's that you're recognizing the relationship that you have with God. Uh, children, um, you know, carry... Um, carry resemblance to their parents. And as human beings, we're made in the image of God, and so you'll find those that, that don't even know God and aren't, aren't right through Jesus yet that will have features about their life that are commendable and that um, remind you of the way God is because of the common grace of God, because they're made in God's image. There's a capacity that's there with human beings. But those that are born again um, by the Spirit of God and indwelt by the Spirit of God are going to have further characteristics that are God-like because God Himself is dwelling in them. Uh, our new nature is going to be to, to love one another as God has loved us. We are not just children, but we are beloved children. We, we, we understand in our living, our whole view of self and how we perceive the world, we understand that God loves us. And I think as children, it might be a little bit easier for us to hold on to that than as we get to be cynical adults. Uh, we have enough disappointments. We have enough betrayals. Uh, we know enough about our own frailties and, and faults and failures. In fact, there are times where we feel like we just hate ourselves. Okay? to know that, that God actually loves us and has proven it. And, and then to respond to life, to other people, to him as his 
beloved children. Now, one of the things that particularly young children like to do is, you know, you ask a, a four or five-year-old boy what he wants to be when he grows up, and he might say policeman or a cowboy or a soldier or whatever, but, but if he's got a good dad, he wants to be like dad. Um, we take our cues from those that we look up to, and, and so we have this command to be imitators of God. This is the word that we get mimic from. Can a monkey see, monkey do? We, we mimic the other person. We try to, you know, some people are really good at this. They can make their voices sound like another person. They can walk like them. In fact, that can be one of the ways that they, they get some good laughs is, is acting like another person. I remember once uh, years ago in grad school, I taught uh, freshman English tutorial and I was late for a class. And I got there about five minutes in, and, and one of the class clowns had gotten up, and he had started, the, he had started uh, the lesson the way I always started the same way, and he had me down. They were rolling because he was doing the uh, Mr. Conley teaching the way that, that Mr. Conley always does. He was mimicking me more for the fun of it than I, I think for admiration, but, but it, was, it was the, uh, the mimicking. We want to mimic God as his beloved children. We, we love him because he first loved us. And more than anything else, we want to be like God our Father. We want to display what he's really like. What strikes me, though, is that, that, God, that, that Paul issues this as a command. Now, in one sense, this comes naturally to us because we're born again. I mean, there's, the Spirit is empowering this. In another sense, there is an engagement of our wills. There is a call for us to intentionally live as the people we are. Why is that? Well, we, we are still part of a fallen race. We are not completely sanctified. We, if we walk in the flesh, we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we are living according to our own appetites, our own desires, self-centered way, we will, our lives start to get stinky. Okay? They start to smell bad. We, we're not really imitating God. There is an engagement of your will to say, hey, you know, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and whatever you think of Monday morning, I belong to God. I, I'm loved by God. I have his life in me now. I want to live today in a way that displays that. There, there's an engagement. And, and what's striking about this, if you notice, the, the whole... The whole thing is, is going to, is, starts with this therefore. And obviously, we're pulling these two verses out of a development of thought. Um, in, instead of taking our cues just from, from how others treat us, which can be all over the place, we're going to seek to love others the way God has loved us. We're going to mimic God in the way that he loves. And it's his power in us and his love for us that, that enables us to, to be obedient to commands um, both that precede and that follow these verses. And so, therefore, it's important. This, this command is connected to the instruction that he's just given to us. And a number of you 
um, mentioned how last time we were together, talking about how we talk toward one another, how, how convicting that was. The preceding verses, we build others up with gracious, fitting words that reflect God's heart toward us rather than tearing people down with hateful speech. And we show tender-hearted kindness toward other people with, with a forgiving heart toward them because we have experienced God's forgiveness of us. And so we're taking our cues. Remember this morning when we talked about that, that a, a proud person is showing a disconnect with God. There's an ungodliness going on there. And the degree to which I keep my connection with God is the degree to which my life becomes a fragrant life that, that brings pleasure to God and good to people. Now, we don't always figure it this way. When we start struggling, for instance, with a particular sin, or, and maybe that sin has wreaked havoc in our life, a lot of times we, we want to find a book that gives us five ways to conquer this sin. Okay? The, the first thing we need to do is make sure that we're getting close to God. Because a part, it's our relationship to God that makes any of the techniques work. I, I, can't, I can't imitate God w- without, without being close to God. I can't get close to God without uh, the work of Jesus Christ. But, and when I'm thinking in terms of my gospel relationship to God, how he's treated me, that's, that's, if I'm thinking about that in the forefront of my mind, that changes how I treat other people. It has to. What's consistent with the gospel? How do I want God to, to treat me? You know, sometimes we'll, someone will do uh, wrong toward us or do some kind of wrong. Maybe this is an outrageous kind of wrong. Question, if, if you were guilty of that sin, if you had gotten caught up in that sin, how would you want someone to help you? A, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, get out the chopping block and let's take the person's head off. But that's not going to help them. That's not the way God helped us. And we want to help others in the same way. In the following verses, it's going to talk about our, our purity of life and, and how we treat one another that way. We show our love for others not by taking advantage of them to feed our appetites, but by sacrificing ourselves for their benefit. We, we look at our sisters in Christ, for instance, if you're a guy, not as objects of desire, but as sisters in the Lord, people that we're going to genuinely love, not just use. So sexual purity and propriety, that is doing what's appropriate in terms of the relationship uh, between you and the opposite sex, or between you and the same sex, um, your relationship to other people characterized by purity and propriety, that's a way of showing them love. Affirming sexual sin reveals a lack of love for God and a lack of love for human beings because sexual sin is self-destructive. It's not loving to affirm what destroys people. Somebody comes to you, I'm struggling with this sin, and say, well, you know what? I love you, so keep at it. That doesn't even make sense if we understand how destructive sin is. But we wouldn't say, I love you, so I'm going to shoot you now. 
because you've sinned. No, we're going to help that person deal with the sin, not destroy them um, because we love people. We want to build them up. We don't, we don't want to seduce them or encourage them toward impurity, but we rather want to help them toward purity and health. And this, you know, this applies, a number of you are at the stage of your life where you're maybe doing some dating, you're building some friendships, you're not married yet. Well, well think about your relationship to that other person. Maybe you're just going out for dinner. Maybe you're just going to a junior senior banquet. Maybe you're just going to a ball game, whatever. Make sure your relationship with that person is a relationship that actually shows love for them. That, that's not going to mess them up and how they're thinking. That's not going to be something they regret uh, a year later or five years later, but, but rather you're going to interact in their life in a way that's actually helpful to them and that builds them up. From the Garden of Eden onward, Satan's lie is that pursuing our appetites in violation of God's command is the path of fulfillment. The serpent casts God as selfish and cruel to deny what we desire. But it's the devil who's a liar. It's the devil who's a murderer. He's bent on dishonoring God and destroying people. People in the world should be able to learn what God is like by observing his children. How often they get a false view of God because those who claim to be his children fail to imitate his character. And, and think about his characters. You think about your, your trying to show what God is like. You know, how, how has God shown us love? God has shown us love through Jesus Christ. And that's why the second part of this is, is related. God has, has shown us how he loves even sinners like us and how he rescues them. He, he doesn't say keep on sinning. He says, here's a way out. Here's a way of rescue. So the second part of this imitating God is to sacrificially love as did your Savior King. And so we have a number of words we want to look at. Now, first off, I want to, I want to talk about Christ. Remember, that's a title, not a name. It refers to the Messiah, um, the Anointed One, the Savior King that's promised from early in the Old Testament, and finally Christ fulfills it. That's why I said sacrificially love as your Savior King. And, and it's, it's just striking to me that he would use this title, when, when that title's an exalted title. That title is his, his name of being Savior and King and the, the, uh, being the one that brings justice to the earth. And, and yet we're going to see, though he is the anointed one, the Christ, the way he sets up his kingdom is by giving himself. He does exactly opposite of what most great ones of the earth do, where they're, they're, they're promoting their own interest and lording it over people. Jesus is Lord, and yet he's the one washing people's feet. He's the one pouring out his lifeblood on the cross. Well, we've seen this word walk quite a bit, and does anybody remember, instead of just walk, it's, it's actually a, a compound word. It means does anybody remember? We, we've talked. 
Yeah, walk about, okay? So it's not just like walking from point A to point B, but it's your walkabout life. It's talking about just everyday life. Wherever you are, you know, where are you going to be at 9.30 on Monday morning? Where are you going to be at 9.30 on Monday night? Your walkabout life. What are your normal tasks of life? So whatever you're doing in your walkabout life, make sure that the sphere you're doing in it is, is, is love. Like if you had to characterize the whole uh, character of what, of what your life is like, it's a character of love, and it's, it's like Jesus. Jesus Christ always did what pleased his Father. He and his Father were one. If anybody mimicked God, it was God the Son, because he is God. As God the Son, he was the exact representation of God. He made God visible to us. If we want to imitate God... We need to look at Jesus Christ. You know, God's spirit, and, and if, you, if you want to know what God is like, then, then study what Jesus was like. How did Jesus interact with people? How, when he was walking the planet as a human being, like us, but without sin, how did he behave? And we see that, that he behaved with an attitude of love. It surrounded, it pervaded all the normal uh, walk about living. It doesn't mean he didn't confront evil, but he confronted evil because to let evil stand, to let those that were uh, abusing others, lying, leading others astray, to let that stand wouldn't be loving. You'd be giving in to the enemy. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Okay? So he loved us. That tells us this motivation. He's got this motivation of love. But that love means that he is going to give himself up. Okay? It's like a, a prisoner giving himself up to arrest. And in this case, he was giving himself up to death itself. And it was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, a love-driven sacrifice of himself on the cross. There's this compassionate motivation for sinners that deserve judgment. It's love for us sinners didn't condone our sin, but drove him to die for our sin, to free us from its guilt and power. In other words, sometimes we have the idea that, that love means you just go along with everything, like some kind of, of person that, you know, he's, it actually reminds me of somebody that maybe has dementia, but's happy all the time about everything, okay? And, and that's not love, that's dementia. Okay. Christ loved us, not saying, oh, that's okay if you sin. He said, let me rescue from it, and I'm willing to die to do it. And to this very day, Christ intercedes for us at the right hand of God as our great high priest. We're told that he's touched with a sympathetic feeling toward us. He's been tempted as we are and yet without sin. And so we're told in Hebrews 4, we can go to him and find grace favor we don't deserve to help in time of need because he's been there, done that, okay? He hasn't sinned, but he has felt the full brunt of the temptation to sin. He knows what it's like to live in an evil and a broken world. Well, these words of fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're, when we see words like, like offering and sacrifice, we immediately think of the Old Testament um, sacrificial system, all pointing, <coughs> excuse me, toward Christ. 
and the sacrifice that he would make. And, and so we're already thinking in terms of this substitutionary sacrifice, the fact that we need a Savior. We can't earn our way by enough good works to outweigh the bad, but rather we have to be completely clean. We have to be made right with God. I usually don't have to do this, but I have to do this now if I'm going to finish. Hold on. Sorry, there's not one in the pew for you. <coughs> um, but, but what I'm interested in is this right here. I mean, I think we understand that. Why does he say a fragrant offering? And as you look at the Old Testament, this is actually the way God often describes the sacrifices, that, that they were a sweet smell to God, a fragrant aroma to God. And it, it speaks of the pleasure that, that God takes at a sacrifice that is acceptable to him. There are sacrifices that were not acceptable to him. But sacrifices that were acceptable according to his will, uh, that were brought with sincere heart and not just as a cover-up for evil, those sacrifices were sweet-smelling to him. They, they pleased God. So understand this, that, that Christ's sacrifice for us not only atoned for our sin, not only washed our sin clean, covered it over, um, brought us back into fellowship with God, it not only was doing something for us, it was doing something for God. It pleased God. This, this is the one way of salvation because this is the only way of salvation that pleases God, that deals appropriately with his justice as well as with his mercy, where the two come together. It speaks of the pleasure of God. Um, God was pleased to receive God's sacrifice as sufficient for our sin. He, he completely, absolutely paid for our sin. He ransomed us completely. This is why, while good works should follow from a heart that's been born again, that's been changed, the good works do not earn my favor with God because I have nothing to add. Jesus completely paid for it. Jesus completely pleased God. Have you ever struggled with the battle that you have with sin, and you're going like, man, God must be so upset with me. How can God even receive me? Well, God never received you because of you and your performance. He received you because of Jesus and his. He, he was pleased. It was a fragrant aroma to God. And now, what, what is striking here, though, is that He's connecting these, and none of us can die for the sins of others the way Jesus did. We, we can't redeem people the way Jesus did. But there is a connection between these two. We can, we can imitate him by walking in love and bring pleasure to God by doing that. It, it pleases God when his people behave like Jesus. 
you know, John the Apostle wrote, no, nothing pleases me more. I have no greater joy than my children are walking in the truth. And this is, this is the way God looks at us as children. This is, this is the way a Christian husband is to love his wife, giving up himself for her, nourishing and cherishing her and causing her to flourish in every way. We're going to look at that in Ephesians 5. It pleases God for us to sacrifice ourselves for the benefit of others. It, it shows them love, and it brings him pleasure. Because what we're really doing is we're, we're showing people what God is actually like. Human beings in general really do understand this concept. We admire and we praise those who risk their own lives to rescue others. And when we imitate the sacrificial love of Christ, our doing so resonates with the human heart as well as with the heart of God. You want to find your way into a heart of someone that doesn't know Jesus yet? Try, try walking in love in a self-sacrificing way. It, I think it's because people are made in God's image. They, they respond to that godly kind of interaction with them. So our task, whether we're talking about the way we talk, the way we feel toward others and our forgiveness of them, or the way we interact with them, uh, with our appetites that we have, some that are right and some that are wrong, our task is to imitate or mimic our Heavenly Father in the sacrificially love as did our Savior King. As we put those together, we show people what God is really like. So my question to you is really simple. What are some ways that you can live this way this week? Because this is a command that we'll need to give ourselves intentionally to if we're going to fulfill it. God, help us to live this way. And, you know, what's great about this, you can, if, if you are a born-again believer, you can be four or five years old, and you, and you can live this way. You, you can be 92 years old, and you can live this way. Wherever God has you, if God has you, if you belong to him, then show people what God is like. Imitate God. Be imitators of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you, God, for the way that you clear the corruption of our lives so that, that our lives become a pleasing fragrance, a pleasing aroma like Christ's life was. Lord, we can't redeem anybody else, but we, sh we can we can follow our Lord and in walking and self-sacrificing love. We can display to those who know us what God is like by imitating him because of the power of the Spirit in our life and because of the redemption of Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all at work in us. God, we pray that, that our own hearts would yield to your work in us. Help us intentionally connect our, our daily living, our walkabout living, to who you are and how you treat others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.